Guys, welcome back to another podcast with Matt Simmons, the Remind Podcast here. We got a great guest on with us today. Justin, pronounce your last name for me just to make sure I get it right. Freestat? <laughs> Good enough. There's no right way anymore. I, I'm not even sure how to pronounce it at this point. <laughs> I took a good st stab at it. I'm t I'm guessing that's German, but he's a hedge fund manager and investor based out of Vegas with Kearns Capital. First decade of his professional life was spent building Heartland Foods, which is the number one farm to table food service on the East Coast. The company was generating 87 million in gross revenue when the business was acquired by the private equity firm in early 2022. He's now the managing partner and president of sales at Kearns Capital. Justin, welcome to the Remind podcast, my man. I am glad to be here, sir. So give me a little bit more deeper dive into exactly what it is that you guys do at Kearns Capital and kind of what your natural progression was from where you were into what you're doing now. Yeah, it was kind of a perfect timing for all of us because we had previous businesses that we were exiting. As a secondary thing, we were all highly interested in being investors, right? So the whole time, Cody and myself, Sergio, while we're building our previous businesses, we were investing as LPs into private placements and learning that space, getting involved. So um, the natural progression for us was to go to the GP side and um, we saw an opportunity to start a hedge fund. Uh, one of Cody's best friends and, and neighbors is a managing director at one of the you know, biggest firms on Wall Street, $12 billion under management. And he was kind of a mentor to Cody and um, we set up fund to fund with them. And that's uh, okay. what's really helped us get launched over the last year and a half. So you guys launched as a fund the funds type of hedge fund versus going out to the retail sector or retail space? Well, that's that's what we love about Forte Capital and Innovation X is they're kind of the biggest juggernaut in the retail space. They they raise most of their capital from retail, um, qualified purchasers, family offices, not on the institutional side, even though they're managing billions. It's that retail, uh, you know, arrangement. And that's kind of what we want to do. You know, our, our mission is, OK, we're going to be the guys who bring that institutional quality investment to the average everyday accredited investor and small time qualified purchaser. It, it allows you to have access to that retail investor without actually having to be the, the fund or the firm that goes out and actually has to get in front of each individual retail investor to raise your funds. You kind of get the best of both worlds, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're mainly on the capital raising side and yeah. um, developing those relationships. So, you know, when innovation X, um, you know, lands their, their spot on the cap table at SpaceX, you know, they're taking care of the deal side and yep. then they come to their, their smaller hedge fund partners like us to actually help raise the capital for those deals. And so where are you guys going to get that capital? Are you going direct to the family offices, smaller funds, or you're not really going direct to the individual investor, right? No, we are. Yeah, we're okay. going right to the, uh, the retail accredited investor, family office as well. Um, small institutions, you know, it's, it's really whoever um, wants to get involved. So that's why you know, I spend a lot of time on the road going to events, just meeting high level people and, sure. uh, you know, building strategic capital raising relationships. You know, it's it's not when when you get one of these capital calls, um, a lot of times you only have three weeks to raise a lot of money. So you, you need partnerships. You're not going to do it all yourself. Absolutely. OK, nice. Nice. You are going out to the actual uh, direct to the investor to, to raise those funds as well as working on some uh, more of a funds of funds uh, type of structure as well. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, you, you guys are more on, uh, what, what type of investments are you guys looking, looking at? What type, where, where's the, where's the capital being placed? What's your, what's your average timeline on, on that? And what types of returns are you, are you looking at generating for your investors and your specific fund? Yeah. So we, we have a whole suite of funds. Um, we're working on the fifth one now. Um, the ones we'll, we'll focus on the ones that are open. So yeah. 
Um, we're raising for our, our legacy fund, which is your traditional type hedge fund that swing trades U.S. equities. Um, that's in partnership with Forte Capital Group. Okay. So um, they've got an 18-year track record in the strategy. They're managing over $100 million in it. Okay. And um, it's got a, a 5 to 1 risk ratio, right? So they have um, downside protection with a, a 30 to 40% upside annual target. So um, when, when you look at their performance over the last 18 years, they're, they're beating the benchmark significantly after their fees and splits. So okay. that's a, a great product for someone who wants a 401k type of investment on steroids. Sure. It's only a one year lock on your principal. So you have liquidity, you can take quarterly distributions if you want cash flow, or you can let it compound every, every quarter. Um, the LP has that choice. So that's, that's the main fund um, that we're always raising for. And then the private equity fund is a series. So every time we get one of these opportunities, um, previous exits, we're talking the biggest names, Snapchat, Palantir, Uber, Lyft, Spotify, Airbnb. Um, they all nine figure positions on the cap table at Innovation X. So um, we we were part of the raise for Flexport a few months ago. We just uh, closed on SpaceX with them. Mm -hmm. um, and the good thing about doing this in a series is that, you know, a lot of private equity funds have exposure to multiple investments in, sure. and they might be raising um, you don't exactly know everything that you're getting into. So when we raise for Flexport, SpaceX, um, right now we have some allocation for Stripe. Mm -hmm. um, you're investing in just that one um, pre-IPO opportunity. And then when we have the, uh, the, the liquidation event, you know, that money flows back to the investor separate from everything else within the, the private equity. So, so the investor can actually is basically getting to choose what they're investing in, similar to kind of what we do with real estate. I mean, obviously we're a private equity group, but we only invest in real estate. And like on our multifamily side, an investor gets to choose which property their money is actually getting placed into because we're typically we're only raising for one, you know, one offering at a time. Um, and so they, it's nice because a lot of times we find the investors like to be able to know and pick and choose where their money's actually going. Um, so it sounds to me like you guys are kind of structuring that the same way when it comes to your pre IPO opportunities, the investor gets to pick and choose where their money's going and all their money is going into that one opportunity. Yep, same thing, right? It's like when you when you syndicate one uh, property, same kind of thing. We're just raising capital, syndicating, whatever yeah. you want to call it, series or right. SPV. <laughs> pick your favorite term for what the vehicle. Right. Called. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And nice. Then, and, uh, and so your capital, so your partners, not your capital partners, but your partners, they're the ones kind of managing it uh, on the day to day, managing the investments, like the swing trade is your swing trading fund. They're managing that investment on the day to day for your investors that you guys are bringing in. So if that's the partnership that you guys have, am I correct in that? Exactly. You know, okay. it's, it's just a smart, you know, especially being a young hedge fund, um, rather than do things yourself. If you have the opportunity to partner with someone with an 18, 18 year track record, that's managing billions, you know, you want to leverage, um, the, their, their power to do research. The, the yep. trading desk has fundamental technical quant, algorithmic analysis. And to think that you're going to do things yourself, um, when you have the opportunity to, right. you know, yeah. it's, it's just smart. Right. But on the other side of that, we, we do have smaller joint ventures that we mm -hmm. are doing ourselves outside of, sure. um, Fortune capital. And that's nice. Cause it kind of gives you that, it gives you a track record and some credibility, even though you guys are fairly new to the, to, to the field, you know, it get, they give by partnering with them, they're giving you that credibility and, and that track record to basically sell off of. Um, so you're not starting from scratch, which in this industry, in this game is really, really hard to do. Exactly. Yeah, that's so that's really when you're investing in our legacy fund or the private equity, it's funneling through us and you're really investing with with Forte and Innovation. Exactly. That's awesome. So talk to me about 
So you guys started in 2022, right? So you about a year and a half or so, if I remember correctly, you, you, you saying you guys are into this so far? Yeah, July 1st, 2022 was awesome. um, our launch. Um, I was one of the first investors. I actually didn't, was not on the team as a managing partner until September last year. So okay. I'm, I'm right at my uh, one year anniversary. I was going to say, you're hitting your one year anniversary, my man. <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. So talk to me that, that first year, year and a half, obviously it sounds like things are going good. You're kind of building that base. What does the, what's the future hold for you guys? What are you guys seeing happening coming in the next three, five years? Yeah. You know, when you first launch, um, especially brand new industry for me, I just took the same skill sets from my previous industry and just injected it into a new product. I thought it was a great first year um, in terms of capital raise. I personally raised 10 million in the first, uh, first year. Nice. And then, um, you know, we went from zero to 20 million under management in the first 12 months. So that's uh, we're really proud of that. We want to be at 100 million um, by by the second year anniversary, and and the big long term targets a billion. So um, it's a lot, lot of doors are opening, and yep. um, I think we one thing that we look at is you know what does the investor want, and then we go try and find a product that kind of matches that. And I feel right. like in the capital raising game, it's not a hundred percent. It's not even close to fifty percent. I guess your your sales ability. It's it's the product that you're representing ultimately is what someone's going to invest in. And then if they like you and you're easy to work with and you follow through and uh, you know, you're professional, it's, it's really not that difficult. You just need to find out what your competitive advantage is in the space. Yep. No, I love that. And that kind of brings me to my next question. And it kind of goes hand in hand. You guys started a hedge fund at kind of a, a tough time when it comes to the economy, things changing, int uh, interest rates climbing, inflation through the roof. I guess going against the headwind that was already out there. What kind of pushback? What kind of concern are you were you seeing and are you seeing out there? Because um, I know what we're seeing, and I can I can kind of elaborate a little bit more on that. But I kind of want to get your take on it first. What kind of what kind of objections and headwinds are you guys seeing out there in the capital raising marketplace due to you know interest rates being through the roof, inflation still high? unsure about the economy, this, you know, freaking Ukraine third world war that, you know, we, we seem to be never ending funding. Um, you know, what, what, what are you guys seeing out there? Or what are you specifically seeing out there in the, in the capital raising marketplace? This is such an interesting topic. And, and I feel like I have some good insight to it just because I'm a heavy LP in multifamily. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've seen that. Um, and I, you know, all these conferences I go to, People are struggling to raise capital. So instead of going with the tide, I'm kind of, we, we're thinking, you know, there's always capital. There's more capital sitting on the sidelines right now that's scared to deploy than ever. So we, so again, back to like the product, we're launching a fund in the next um, 60 to 90 days with an aerospace company. And for us, it's directly so we can target the real estate investors sitting on the sidelines. So mm -hmm. the way this works, they buy old airplanes that they can depreciate. So you get a negative K1 kind yep. of like in, in a value add deal. Yep. And they buy specifically 757s with Rolls-Royce turbines. They're really old. They need to be refurbished and then they flip them. So they have great margins. We're going to be able to pay a 15% pref and deliver a negative K1. That's the type of thing that a real estate investor is looking for. So sure. rather than um, try, try to fight, um, it's, it's what product can we deliver that the marketplace is looking for that's going to have no correlation to the market 
no correlation to interest rates, but they can get something similar with a one-year hold. I love that. And, and so you're giving yourself a competitive advantage, right? You're, you're giving yourself that differentiation point. And we kind of took the same route coming out of the pandemic and, and starting really in last year with our affordable housing fund, right? It's different than your standard multifamily self-storage funds that everyone and their mother is doing right now. But it also gives us a competitive advantage because it's not, it's not centered around you know, inflation, uh, interest rates don't have as big of a play on it um, because it's all guaranteed payments that's backed by the government, right? So it's pandemic proof, it's recession proof because we're, and we're guaranteeing money every single month by the government. And so it allows us, you know, our cash on cash return to our investors was, was almost 18% last year uh, on that specific fund, right? And it gives us that differentiation point where, you know, anyone that's trying to pitch or sell multifamily or sell storage or anything like that right now, they're, they're, they're fighting a losing battle because the, a lot of those investors are on the sidelines because they're like, well, 6% PREF doesn't mean anything to me right now with, with, in, with interest rates at eight and a half percent with inflation at eight to 9%, 6% PREF. Why were they going to tie it up long-term in a multifamily deal when they can get 5% in the bank right now with where interest rates are. And yeah. so you have to give them a product that's going to open their eyes and say, oh, hold on a sec. That's significantly different than everyone else is offering right now. At the same time, people get a little, oh, hold on a sec. Why is it so different? What are you guys doing differently? So you have to explain it to them. But once you're able to do that and show it to them, the money come, the money's coming in. And that's kind of where we're at with that fund specifically is we have no problem raising money for that fund and, and for that portfolio for those exact same reasons you were just talking about. Yeah, that's, that's so, it's so refreshing to hear, right? Being innovative within the space. What does the marketplace want? How can I be different than everybody else? Because right. I'm serious. Every event I go to, it's full of multifamily guys that can't 100%. raise capital right now. Yep. And that's, and, and, and I hear it all the time and I talk with a lot of my colleagues and they're in the same, same boat and you know, everyone's just kind of sitting there twiddling their thumbs, waiting for the deals to come out, come back. And I'm like, we're content. We're, we're buying every single week. You know, we're adding to our portfolio every single week. We're closing on either individual properties, small multifamily or smaller or smaller portfolios to add to that affordable housing portfolio because our, the money's still coming in. So we have to deploy it. Whereas everyone else is just kind of sitting on the sidelines because they have no deals because everyone's still trying to sell at a four or 5%, even a five or 6% cap rate with interest rates at six and a half, seven, seven and a half percent, even for agency debt right now. Yeah. That's a big violation of the rules. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. You can't go in with negative leverage. You know what I mean? So, but, but it, it blows my mind. I mean, I, and we saw it during the pandemic too. Everyone just kind of froze up, you know, especially in real estate, everyone froze up. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to turn. They just kind of were waiting on things to happen. And the way I, I operate is like, I don't want to sit around and wait. Where can we look to pivot to, to provide investors an opportunity still gives us a competitive advantage and differentiation point and allows us to continue to grow. And you guys are doing the exact same thing, it sounds like. Yeah. And, and when things are scary and uncertain, sometimes, you know, you have to be willing to deal with a little bit of short term pain to not miss the boat. And, you know, right now, our, our legacy fund is sitting in cash, haven't deployed it. And since um, we started raising for that, the, the stock market's down, I believe on um, the S&P is down about 8% from the top right now. So, yeah. you know, smart money knows what to do. But to say I'm not going to invest yet, because you know, I think the market's going to come down a little more. I mean, the second there's a whiff that interest rates are going the other way, it's going to take off. So it's now is the off. time to get in. There's right. already a ton of pain. It might There might be some more pain. Will rates go higher? Sure. Nobody knows. But the fear of missing the, the, the shift right. is just not something I'm willing to do. 
No, I agree with you. We're the same way. It's, it's, you know, our interest rates, in my opinion, are going to fluctuate up and down a little bit sideways right now. They might go up a little bit more. And I think they're going to remain kind of at, at the le- at, at a certain level for a little while. And then they're going to stop, start dropping. But as soon as they make that first cut, especially when in the real estate sector, right? In the real estate side of things, as soon as they make that first cut, the number of buyers that are going to come out of the, the shadows is, is only going to drive price points up even more. And so it's like for us, we're going to take advantage of that now while, while a lot of buyers are on the sidelines, buy everything that we possibly can so that when those buyers do come out of the shadows and it does force those prices up even more, we're already in the properties. We're just, we're just increasing the valuation of that portfolio, that fund, giving us additional equity that eventually we can sell off. Yeah, it's, it's wild. When, when you look at you know, housing affordability, I guess, hasn't been this bad since 1985. Right. Um, you know, private equity companies, valuations have been cut in half or more. Right. And, um, you know, with stocks where they are basically flat to down over a couple of years. Right. And to your point, if you can get 5% from the government, why are you going to put on risk capital to get eight to 12 in, in the markets? Right. When that dynamic shifts, all this stuff's going to boom. So yep. I feel like we have to be close to, to Max Payne here. And if yep. there's more, fine, we'll ride it out. It's right. just a really attractive entry point here for, I think, almost everything. No, I agree with you. And that's kind of what that's the, that's the approach and the outlook we take on it right now, too. We're just loading up as much as we can, because when when it does open back up, it's just it's just going to force appreciate all of our properties because of the space that we're in. And it's just going to you know, the market's going to take off, real estate's going to increase, interest rates are going to drop. It's going to it's going to bring that massive demand back that was there, you know, a couple of years ago when rates were at three, three and a half percent, which was driving prices up at that point. It's just going to it's going to happen again. And it's going to I think it's going to be even bigger than what it was. Yep. And we got an election year coming up and uh, we know governments like to manipulate everything. So, yeah, right. Exactly. Yep. A hundred percent. Um, so what is your day to day routine right now? Like, give me a, give me a kind of a, a run through of what Justin's day to day routine is like. I feel like I have two modes, so okay. it's either I'm at home or I'm on the road and, right. uh, and it's 50, 50 all year. So yeah. I like being at home. Um, I get up early. Um, this is where I, I really focus on myself. So it's, it's a cold plunge every day that I'm at home at the gym meal prep, perfect macros, routine, sleep, styled. I have the eight sleep bed. I'm really into all the biohacking stuff. Um, Always have been, right? It's about optimizing brain, your body, everything. Sure. Uh, And then, and then on the, on the road, it's doing the best you can, right? I can't, can't meal meal prep on an airplane and at a hotel. I mean, normally, I mean, maybe some savage can do that and go to the event, Uh, but you're, you you just know you're going to be eating at events. You know, you're going to be not in your routine. So um, for me, I, I try to I try to flip my my schedule on the road for the time zones. I want to keep my circadian mm-hmm. rhythm as intact as possible. So usually I'm, I'm on the West Coast. Usually I'm going east. Right. So if I'm going one time zone, two or three over, I'm going to not work out at four or five in the morning. I'm going to sleep till six. Right. And then I'll work yep. out when the day's over at 10, 11 at night. So I'm trying to keep yep. keep that circadian rhythm intact as much as possible. But um, w- within all of that, there's it's nonstop phone calls with investors, potential investors, uh, potential capital raising partners, yep. podcasts, content, yep. um, and then being in the in-person events. Sometimes it's just to support my friends. Like I'm going to the Profit Rocket this week in Austin, Texas, and yep. I'm not speaking. I'm just going to be there supporting some of my friends that are speaking and just 
you know, networking and meeting more, more high level players. And it's just, yeah. it's a ton of fun to feel like every time you're, you're on the road, it's a, it's a vacation doing what, what you love. Too. <laughs> right. No, I know. And I travel a lot. Uh, a lot of times I'm looking at real estate and stuff like that, checking out our properties, touring our properties, making sure things are stabilized, stuff like that. But, uh, it's funny, actually, I'll be out in Vegas for, uh, for Pineda's wealth con. I'm not speaking or anything like that, but I'm just going to go and support all those guys. Cause I know them all. And, and, uh, and that'll be fun. And, and, and then I'm back to Pennsylvania on the fifth. So, um, but I agree, you know, it's it, that networking, that traveling, I did a, I did a piece of uh, content the other day, you know, money follows relationships, right? And the more relationships you can build, the more hands you can shake, the more people you can meet and get in front of the more money you're going to be able to raise it can also be an exhausting effort as well. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, back to your biohacking, you know, I'm huge. For me, it's, it's all about my health and my wellness. You know, I'm 43. Um, you know, I have two kids. I'm single dad, divorced. And so, you know, my routines and my health and my fitness are extremely important for me to be able to maintain my on-the-go schedule, just like it is for, for you. And, you know, how, talk to me about how that kind of relates to your success in business, because I know how it relates to me. I mean, being disciplined and, and still sticking to the diet that you have set for yourself, still to sticking to the, the gym and, and the fitness aspect of things, even when you're on the go. And for me, that's really important, especially when I'm on the go is making sure that I still get that workout in and that, and that, and that the fitness in, because it really keeps me on my, my routine, which for me is extremely important. How do you feel that relates to you and your success in business with the overlap there? I think it's directly correlated. And, you know, I, I was at uh, the Limitless Arena uh, over the weekend in uh, Salt Lake. And, you know, a Andy Elliott, you know, he, he yeah. doesn't hold anything back. He basically said, if you don't have a six pack, you can't work here. Right. Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. the standard. And I I operate that way. And and it's just, you know, you make your first impression before you, you speak. So. Sure. Yep. When I'm looking at who I'm going to do business with, if you can't take care of yourself, right. how can I trust you to take care of the business or the investment or whatever yeah. it is? It's just a principle of mine. I'm just not going to do business with you. So um, just knowing how the elite standard I hold myself to. Yep. I'm, I'm the same way. I was talking with a colleague the other day and I was, I was talking to him about it. I'm telling him like, look, if, if, you, if you present yourself and you're disheveled, your hair isn't taken care of, you're not shaving, you're overweight, your clothes look like they're, they've been rolled up in the corner of your hand, you know, room for the last seven days, like I'm not going to do business with you because to me, that's how the rest of your, that, that's, a, that's a portrait of the rest of your life, right? Same thing with your car. Like if, you, if, if I'm looking to do business with someone, I want to see what the inside of their car looks like. Right. Because if the inside of the car looks like trash, nine times out of 10, the rest of their life looks that way, too. And so, you know, these little things coincide and, and, and cross over to, you know, the business side of things. And people look at me like I'm freaking crazy. Like, what do you mean? Why does that even matter to you? I'm like, you just don't get it. Like, you don't understand because that's a core to me that directly correlates to how they live and operate in the rest of their life. And if it's chaos the rest of their life is going to be chaos, including their personal life, their business life, whatever it might be. Yeah. And then when you get tested in the hard moments, that's what we're training for with this yep. discipline, right? Absolutely. Like when, when things go bad, that's, that's usually when people actually reveal who they are. Right. And if you're, if you're not able to operate when things are normal or good, you're going to crumble in those moments. You're going to crumble when, when the stress is really put on you, when you're put under the gun. And, and let's be honest, in this industry, well, in business in general, we are constant problem solvers. I mean, it's what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. We're, we're finding solutions to problems that pop up all the time.
no doubt. Every day is a war. It's just yep. a different type of war. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Oh, man, that's been a good, good conversation. I've been enjoying this. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and then we're going to kind of wrap things up. Um, so I, it's so cliche, but I always like to hear it from other people. If you could go back and tell your younger self one key to success or one thing, what would that one thing be and why? The biggest thing for me would be, I would say, get rid of the scarcity mindset in terms of not just um, potential, right? Make the goals bigger, but um, scarcity mindset around money, right? Like why did, why the, why when you make your first thousand dollars, do you think it's a lot of money? Why do you make when you, your first five, your 10 and you want to hoard it? And right. it's just a backwards mentality, right? Where we try to protect things the most when we have the least. Right. And, yeah. and if I could go back and tell myself, Hey, you have nothing to protect. You need to be all in over and over and lose everything five times in your twenties. And you'll be a whole lot further along than where you are now. So everybody's got their natural progression with that. But I really wish I had had less of that middle class mentality, um, you know, dollar cost average and the mm -hmm. S&P 500. All these things I did in the beginning with small amounts of money and then spend all day looking at my portfolio instead of working when I only have $5,000. What am I doing? You know? Right. So, yeah. yeah that's probably what I, I go back and tell myself. I love that. And, and that goes against the norm that we're taught. I mean, even through school, we're taught that middle-class mindset, right? You're taught to save, save, save a penny, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned. No, it's not. It's just a penny. I mean, like, <laughs> let's be honest here. Right. And, and, but, but so many people have that scarcity mindset. I mean, you see it all over social media, right? When you, when you look at people that think big or do bigger things like you or like me, or, or you know, you name them, it's like that, the hate, always comes out like you know and it's that scarcity mindset that is constantly trying to keep people down and in that middle class circle or whatever you want to call it spiral to hell in, in my opinion and hopefully it will help some others kind of realize that they they're, they're stuck in that mindset and maybe change it what has been your most recent book that you have read recent last book i read um right now i'm reading uh, the hedge fund book okay um <laughs> I don't even know. I can't remember who wrote it, but just uh, trying to learn a little bit more about the institutional side. Sure. You know, being being the the college dropout renegade, I think I need to learn a little bit more of the back end <laughs> fundamentals. Brother, um, I'm right there with you. I didn't even make it to college. I'm I'm lucky I graduated high school. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's yeah, two types of successful people: the yeah, the institutional route, and then the the ones who just did it in the streets. I guess. You know? Yep. Absolutely. Uh, awesome, man. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Last question is is one piece of advice to all of our viewers, anything, it doesn't matter what it is, what it's centered around, what's one piece of advice you would want to give or you want to give anyone that views this podcast or, or sees you or, or follows you on, on Instagram or any social media? Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think the number one thing right now, I mean, we know that your personal brand is, is the new currency of the future. Mm -hmm. And um, nobody likes making content. Nobody likes doing this stuff. Um, I hate it. It took me a long time to start doing it. Yep. Um, Go for the hate. If, if no one's mad at you, like you're just not doing anything relevant yeah. and it's something you have to just put into your mind. So um, be polarizing. You know, in the mm -hmm. beginning, um, you're going to have friends, family, fr all kinds of people are not going to like it. And that that's kind of the point, right? You'll right. get rid of the riffraff and then you'll build a strong tribe of people who think like you. And on the other side of going through that process in the first year, you're going to be so fulfilled because there's going to be no friction in your community. It's going to be all people who want to go hard, go fast, just like you. And the more you try to toe the line, 
um, the harder it's going to be for you to break out and excel. I love that. You know, haters legitimize your success, right? If you don't have haters, you're not doing anything big and, and you got to do something big in this, in this day and age to, to make an impact. So I love that. I say it all the time. My haters have legitimized my success. I well, I want more hate. Like I want it because then it gets people going back and forth, which only, which only elevates your, the algorithm online and pushes you out to even more people. Right. I love the hate, bring it on. Like, you know, and that for me, you know, one of the questions I asked you is what, what's something you could, you know, would tell your younger self or something for me, I've never had this problem, but I see a lot of people that do. And that is, you know, forget, stop paying so much attention to what other people think of you, unless they have a direct impact on your day to day life, you shouldn't give a shit what they actually think about you at all. And say so many people actually care what someone who they don't even know, some stranger on social media, they, they care too much about what that person thinks of them. Yep. which causes you to change who you are to appease someone else. And now your vibration's off, you're off course. And you're not I being mean, true to yourself. If you can't be there for yourself up front, it's, yep. it's over. Absolutely. Justin, this has been awesome. Tell everyone where they can find you guys, where they can find you online. Give them a little uh, roadmap. Yeah, so my personal website is toptierhuman.com. And then Kearns Capital, that's our hedge fund. It's kearns.capital. And we're on all the social medias at Justin Freistad. Awesome, man. Thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Great conversation, and we will talk soon. My pleasure.